Tell us a little bit about yourself 
and and how you happen to be um, playing the role of Agent Antonio Wolf. <laughs> Hi, good morning. Well, uh, we had actually uh, Romeo, our artistic director, uh, is someone who I've worked with before, and when he told me that Ishmael had written something new, uh, I was interested and I read it, and the part kind of just happened organically. We, Raul and I kind of developed our characters together, and uh, he's basically kind of a shady agent trying to get him to uh, you know, collaborate with a street artist to make himself look street relevant. And it parallels a lot what um, was commonly thought that uh, Andy Warhol had, had done to Jean-Michel Biscat. So it kind of parallels off of you know, our scheming to find this young artist who's played by, by Brian and uh, these two forensic experts telling the story of Jean-Michel Basquiat through facts, through anecdotes, and his relationship with Andy Warhol. So it, you know, it combines very nicely. Mm, yeah, yeah, it does, it does. I mean, it's like a gothic play. I mean, it's just like... Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It's And and the staging is just phenomenal. I mean, you know, like it looks like shadow puppets. <laughs> it's really, really, really cool the way Carla Blank um, directs it and, you know, the lighting and the staging and the costumes. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And I bet it's really cool in, in person. Oh, it's wonderful. And Carla was a dancer, so the choreography oh, of the dream sequence really? that yes she was and so the choreography of the dream sequence where um Richard Pryor's voice is talking that's actually um Kenya who is who is doing the the moves and everything and it's absolutely mesmerizing it's one of the best scenes in the play mm, yeah it is it really is oh i think i think Ishmael might be joining us ah is that you Ishmael yeah right hello oh hello, hello. Perfect timing. <laughs> oh, the playwright. Super, super. What's going oh. on, Ishmael? <laughs> How's you doing? Wonderful. Wonderful. We're all proud of you. Hi, Ish. Hey, how's everybody doing? Very well, thank you. You guys should be very proud of yourselves. You uh, upset and overturned the narrative about uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat as being some kind of uh, vagrant or uh Mascot or a junkie or uh, you know all the things that primitive, all the things they said about. Oh uh, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Well, it's yeah, it's excellent, excellent um, acting performance. Um, but the writing is really awesome, Ishmael. I mean, it's like whoa, all the research. I mean, you really like the play is just, it's, you know, it's like. Wow, I mean, you know, well, like, what, it, you can't argue against it because it seems to be, like, so well documented. Well, the actors and the director did all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one who <laughs> went to the court store and got the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> went to the court store and got the cookies. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's demonstrably untrue, just having watched the show develop over the course of this last year and a half. I mean, it's been really, I can say that as an Mm. actor, it's been really amazing to watch 
Ishmael's process. Um, mm-hmm. Also, just in terms of, you know, Jesse talked a little bit about he and Raul developing the characters, and uh, Ishmael did a lot, too, to develop the roles of these forensic experts um, and use this, like, really clever mechanism to present this uh, really dense art historical information, you know, that there's a lot of mm-hmm. – um, there's a lot of challenging concepts, I think, for, for people. But I think that using the forensic experts, originally uh, we didn't uh, – Monisha, uh, Monisha Shiva, who plays opposite myself, um, and I were in the virtual reading playing these roles, but they didn't have the label of forensic expert. And so that's something mm-hmm. that came along actually like later as Ishmael developed the show, mm-hmm. which was um, – I, I just found it sort of fascinating to watch him – develop the the show over the course of the last year year and a half mm-hmm. yeah so are we listening to kenya wilson speaking right now uh this is laura robards um oh, laura. i was okay. not actually i actually was out last week i had covid um <laughs> unfortunately so mm-hmm. uh kenya very uh, adeptly mm-hmm. uh took on my role along with her many other roles in the show um but usually i'm playing the role of grace Okay. And and how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great. I was lucky to have really mild symptoms, actually, and it kind of only lasted for a couple, two, three days. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously to protect the safety of the cast, crew, and audience, I stepped out and did my quarantine. But I'll be back on Thursday. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because um, cause I wasn't able to see you because uh, I, I saw the play, I think, Saturday, I think. Um, so that was when you weren't you were out. Okay, all right. So when I see it again, um, you'll be back. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we were going around um, introducing ourselves, um, and uh, Jesse, you you didn't mention that you're an attorney and a Standing Rock oh. veteran who advocates I for am. the rights of immigrants and Native Americans and. Yes, I am. Thanks. I mean, as far as being an attorney, sometimes I think I should have gone to plumbing school. But other than that, it is. It can be very rewarding, you know, when you have a chance to help people, uh, particularly my own people. Uh, there was something we had touched on before about Ishmael's writing, and I wanted to to just mm-hmm. say that it is understandable if you don't necessarily agree with his position on certain things. But what you cannot say about Ishmael Reed is that he is lying. Mm-hmm. Every yep. factual thing that shows up in our play actually happened. So that you, you know, you, you, everyone has a right to their own opinion on it, but you don't have the right to your own facts. So mm-hmm. if saying these facts makes folks a bit uncomfortable, well, you know, that sometimes is necessary. And mm-hmm. Ishmael has always done that. He's always used satire to kind of bring out the truth in certain situations that people don't necessarily feel comfortable addressing or admitting. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, is Raul, are you on? Yeah, I'm on. I'm right here. How are you doing today? Okay. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. So, Raul, um, why don't you, um, since you and uh, Jesse's character, um, you know, are – you know, collaborators. Um, why don't you tell us about, you know, the Baron DeWitt and, and also about yourself and sort of what brought you to the role and, 
you know, and you know, if you want, I've to actually talk never a met this about... guy. Who is he? Who is who? Yeah, I, I was gonna, say, I was gonna actually say like, who is this attorney talking about Ismail Reed? Mm-hmm. Sounding yeah. like a real lawyer. <laughs> I've never met this young man. I have no idea who he is. Um, no, the um, so the the role of the Baron, like like Jesse said before, it kind of it came like collaborating with him. We actually auditioned together, and um, <clears throat> the minute that we started um auditioning and working together, being in the same room, um, it kind of all just melted and gelled together. So it was the process working with him, Ismail and Carla was was really 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 delightful for me. Um, really really fun. I got to um experiment a lot, play a lot. Um, Carla Blank, who's the, the director, is a, a phenomenal director. She really lets you um, play with the characters and really lets you um, take chances and try different things. Um, I've never worked with a director that um, allowed me so much artistic freedom. So that was that was a real, real pleasure and a real honor to be there with her. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I, go ahead, Justin. No, I'm sorry, Ro. No, I was just going to say that that comes from somebody – when you allow another artist to flow, it's because you're an artist yourself. And Carla's always been like that. Raul and I, because you know, he's mentioning the, the, initial, the initial readings, we did that through Zoom. And even through yeah. Zoom, we, we felt like we had something. So the minute we were able to actually rehearse in person, it came together fairly quickly. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was like a it was like a match made in heaven. Just started right away. Um, Jesse's hilarious. Jesse's hilarious. I'm sure you heard him in the play. His, his voice is really funny. His accent's really funny. So it was he made my job really easy just to play off him. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. there's so much stuff we just came up with together. And like Raul had said, she just allowed us. You know, she just said go. A couple of times I thought, oh, my goodness, we're going to get in trouble for saying this or doing that. And Carla was like, not cool, right? <laughs> so that, that made yeah. it, that's what really made it a joy. And also, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. Ishmael's um, writing and the character that he wrote, the Baron, is, is such, such an interesting character. And I was actually just talking to one of my friends the other day, um, and I was telling him how, unfortunately, this week is our last week. So if you haven't seen the show, please get out there and see the show because it's amazing. But I was just telling one of my friends that um, I'm going I'm to miss the Baron, man. I'm going to miss him, you know. <laughs> I, I want to th- thank Ishmael for, you know, writing the character and, you know, allowing me to be part of the process because he's, he's a beautiful character and somebody I've him. had a lot of fun playing. Yeah, yeah, because there's, um, you know, there, there, the villains are, you know, like you don't have to imagine the villain. The villain, the villain, villain is easy to recognize. I and, missed him uh, on the line. And yeah, yeah, and and sort of like Dracula is sort of in there, right? I mean, you know, sucking blood and teeth and all that. Like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I and I love, and I love how Ishmael uses, you know, the Baron and, and yeah. the Agent Wolf scene. To metaphorically, what Andy Warhol was doing to the artist, you know, yeah. just that balance and be back and forth between the scenes is it's it's really beautiful to to perform and and to and to watch watch develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to um, invite uh, Kenya um, to join us um, uh, and tell yeah. us about you know talk you know sort of introduce yourself to us, uh, Kenya, and um, and tell us. Yeah, you know, you are you're Jennifer Blue, but you're the female of the study, and, oh. and you play Richard Pryor in the Dream Channel, and come on, yeah, yes. you do a whole lot. And and then I wanted to ask people that are not speaking if you can mute yourself so we don't have ambient sound because it's all going into 
the program, which you know, hopefully you will share our interview with other people so they can listen to your brilliance. Um, so Kenya, can I just say that Kenya is our MVP? Kenya's like the most valuable MVP. player. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Okay, because she if Kenya's not there, the show does not run. It's literally, oh my it's not even the Slave Who Loves Caviar anymore. It's literally the Kenya show. She does oh, everything. I, 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 I vote for that. Yeah. Because she just came through, and when, you know, when everyone was having difficulty, like Laura, who is also great, you know, but things do happen, and Kenya just stepped in so easily, and she has literally like three beat. different roles last week, and it's just amazing to watch her prepare and do what she does. It's just wonderful to be a part of. Inspiring, inspiring. I really appreciate it. Uh, but I will say that with this project, I, I thank you all so much. That was so kind. The, um, the thing, I had started out as, you know, obviously the understudy and then took over the role of, of Jennifer Blue originally and, and as well as understudying the female roles. Uh, but when I started reading the script, the one thing that stood out to me, you know, I'm, I'm obviously familiar with Jean-Michel Basquiat, but I'm by no means an art aficionado at all. So my experience with knowing his story was through the film Basquiat, the Julian novel film. So as I started reading the script and uh, watched a, a, an actual um, documentary, <laughs> I, I'll call it an actual documentary, I actually felt robbed because I felt like the movie that I saw was, did not humanize him in any way. You know, that within the first five minutes you understood, okay, he's a junkie. And, I mean, and that's really what the movie was about. Is it FaceTime? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I felt really blessed to just be part of this project and to be able to learn more about Jean-Michel. Uh, and the interesting thing is I could see the parallels from then till now, just in any – it could be any job, really, but just the – uh, it's particularly with the entertainment, music, and the art, and and even in theater or television, how we can easily be exploited and not even realize it until we've gone farther down the path. You know, it's very subtle. Uh, you know, people make you feel wanted, loved, and and you don't realize that you're 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 a, a novelty in their eyes. You know, until it's it's too late, and and that some people that you thought cared about you really just wanted, you know, metaphorically and literally your blood. Um, so I was really excited to be a part of this project, and you know, my favorite part of is is the Richard Pryor sequence. I love doing that, um, but I love all the roles, and I'm just. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of this project. I think I'm the only person that came in new that, you know, um, the newer person in the cast who now, I was wasn't from the workshop thing. I'm not sure we, if that's We share that. Case. We share that bond, Kenya. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, yeah, so so just, um, you know, with working, with doing the different roles, there is a lot of preparation involved, but a, a lot of understanding of the script because there are times when, you know, you have to kind of know where you are in, in, in the script and uh, with different characters. It can be challenging, but I, I loved it, and I still do. I'll, I'll be sad for the 
week to end. Mm. But I'm looking forward to possibly doing it again. Yes, yes. Yeah, that would be super. Yeah, and then um, um, I'm not sure, but um, did uh, Monisha, Shiva, did you just join us? Uh, We've been Robert. Robert. Oh, Robert, okay. Yeah, Yeah, Robert. I really like your character, Robert. Um, um, Would you like to um, tell us, um, Robert E. Turner, tell us about your role and... um, and how you came, you know, to this particular uh, part. Uh, why do you want to be in the play, uh, portraying Jack Brooks? And, and who is Jack Brooks? Jack Jack Brooks is a he's a he's a homeless abstract expressionist, and uh, um, <laughs> he's he's a little bit crazy, a little eccentric, and um, and how I come to be in this project is that. I've been um, doing Ishmael Reed's play for years, and um, I just like his work and um, his satire and, um, and and what he brings and and his the type of investigation he does uh, um, in, in, on the on the these characters and and what he brings out and gives to us is just truly amazing, you know. Um, they call me, you know, I got, I actually, Rome Neal called me and said I had a role for you. Ishmael's doing the show, and I, I jumped to it. That's it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked um, Jack Brooks. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I was just really amazed, Ishmael, that, that you wrote the music as well as performed yeah. it, and that you even stepped in. To the play, and you you were actually in the play. <laughs> I didn't catch that yeah, well, particular evening, but I think I, think I let the audiences uh, down on both scores. I mean, you know, that audience that had to experience my acting, they should have asked for a refund. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, no. That was amazing. That was amazing. That was an honor, Ishmael. That was an honor. That was so much fun to do with you, honestly, man. That was an experience I'll, I'll never forget in my life. I was so happy that that happened. Well, you know, we made history. We had the first uh, Dominican-American Dracula. <laughs> and wow, nice. The second Wolfman. So, you know, we had the we, second, the second the Latino years, Wolfman. That is true. Yeah, Robert can testify that over the years, uh, we've given scores of black and brown actors um, – and white actors, and even Asian-American actors, are roles that they don't have to be ashamed of. I'm looking at yes. a series called uh, Hightown, which is written by someone outside of our experience, in which the, uh, predictably, the uh, Latino actors are junkies and drug, uh, drug salesmen, drug dealers. The Asian-American actress is a prostitute. So those are the kind of roles that, are available to actors in the mainstream. Uh, Carl and I put together a book called Bigotry on Broadway, in which uh, a number of uh, people who are uh, from other backgrounds uh, talk about their portrayals in Broadway. So we have Asian Americans talking about Miss Saigon, which they don't like, Flower Drum Song, which they don't like, South Pacific. We have uh, Oklahoma, Native Americans write about Oklahoma. Which uh, just which justifies uh, you know the invasion of uh, Native American territories on and on. 
So what Robert can tell you this, and, and Jesse and some of the other veterans of Ross who played Harriet Tubman in the Miranda thing, which, which we spent very little money on, but we got them to change that billion-dollar production. They had to make changes. So uh, mm. this this is part of it. I just want to conclude by saying that um, we have combated hundreds of millions, well, I mean, yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars of propaganda pushed by the Warhol Foundation about Warhol as some kind of uh, benevolent Mother Teresa who took in this junky waif. When, when uh, Jean-Michel uh, Jean Bascat is probably one of the best uh, or the greatest artists of the last hundred years. They turned uh, this, uh, this uh, great painter uh, into somebody dependent upon stimulus. And what's, what's ironic is that one of the people who was responsible, Ania Nosei, was in the audience. She's the one who put uh, what they call a dungeon, put Bascat in a dungeon or what he called a sick factory, and he's required to produce six paintings a week, and sometimes, uh, uh, you know, she sold his paintings that were unfinished. But they supplied him with a lot of cocaine. They turned the other, the, while he was on cocaine, they were indifferent to his his plight, and so was Warhol, as long as he was producing, as long as he was making money. And if I had to amend this play, I would have a scene where after they sucked all his blood and left him dry, cannibalism occurred where they all fought each other over his estate. So anyway, mm -hmm. one more We have to uh, thank uh, the Theater for New City, Crystal Peel. We have to thank all the production cast. Gave us a first-rate production. We have to thank Ron Neal, who was production uh, coordinator, and they've invited us back. All right. Oh, you're right. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 So, Ms. Yeah. Ross Fox. Can I, can I just um, say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to say one thing, something that Ishmael had mentioned about mm -hmm. the people that he hires for his plays. When we had done The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda, he had hired the great Robert Turner, who's with us now, as George mm -hmm. Washington. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how's that going to work, uh -huh. an African-American playing George Washington? Mm -hmm. And... The only thing Robert Turner did with that role was win an Adelco Award. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think Ishmael was probably right on that one. You know, but yeah, it shows just how diverse, you know, a role can be when you have great artists doing it and Robert well. And then Roz doing Harriet Tubman, well, that was just yeah. another amazing role. I was lucky to just watch. So yeah. you know, there there, there think, is a way to do this type of casting and I'm so glad that I'm a part of it. Um, yeah, and and you um, you also have gotten Adelco Awards. I mean, I think I think they're like almost all of you all um, who have African descent in this conversation have gotten Adelco Awards. Not not yet, but I'm optimistic. <laughs> For me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but um, I just want to add that um, over the years, um, Ishmael has always give give um, uh, uh, folks. Uh, um, these non-traditional roles to play that generally are, are played by white actors in the mainstream. Because when I did George Washington, many of the, the white audience members came to me and said that they couldn't even see George Washington. You know, they couldn't see the, white, the whiteness of my skin. They could just see the character. 
And um, oh, and prior to that, I did C above C above high C. I played I played J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI, who was also you know I paid him partly in the suit and partly in drag. So <laughs> I mean, you know so so that's how Ishmael writes very satirical but very effectively, and he put. He put characters, he put actors in these roles that you would not expect to be playing these roles. And so um, I'm just really grateful for that, that he kind of break the, that, 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 that thing that um, the great white way always tend to um, follow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was just speaking? I just want to make sure that we match the Robert, right name Robert. with the right. Okay, right. Robert thank you. Okay, thank you. And um, uh, Ms. Fox, tell us about yourself and your character. This was one. She was. Uh, but uh, let me see, make sure her, her mic is still... Oh, no, not anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was, I thought. I put a check by her name. Okay. Well, um, Brian, you're with us, right? Hello? Yeah, Brian Anthony Simmons, Youngblood. Yes, hello. Yep, yep. Hi. Yeah, tell us about Hi. yourself and your character. Um. So, yeah, Um. I got the pleasure of uh, being involved with this production uh, through Rome Neal, like <laughs> everyone else, um, which was super surreal because, one, I love Rome, and I've been trying to work with him since forever. Uh, so it was a very, like, uh, come-to-life-life like, moment for me. Uh, and then to find out that uh, <laughs> it was an Ishmael Reed production, I was like, well, oh, okay. Uh, so for me, like, my soul as an artist was just fed twice. Um, Justin even being able to be in the same space as these people, which is just truly amazing, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, the character Youngblood himself, unfortunately, I think, was me like 10 years ago. Uh, it was like that postgraduate, like, I think I know everything. Uh, and I think I know the stories of these people who came before me and have done all these things. Um, and that's who Youngblood, unfortunately, is. I think he's the young artist that lives in such a place of arrogance and, like, has this information that's been taught to him, but it's not necessarily the true stories that have been taught to him. Um, and he's made judgments of these people that have come before him due to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I really like that scene with uh, Youngblood and Jack Brooks. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like the costumes, like to have on shorts that um, have the African Liberation flag, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, such blasphemy. And then you don't even know what you're wearing, like the character you know, I know. What you're wearing, like who's Marcus Garvey, like huh, what? <laughs> and see that—that's another credit to Ishmael because that—that that line came from uh, the costume, and Ishmael seeing the costume, being like, "Hey, add this," uh, and it mm. fit perfectly. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the best part of the and, show when you walk out, Brian. What happened? <laughs> That's the best part of the show when you walk out. That's what I've heard. Man, what I've heard. Listen, it's, it's the coldest part of the show. It's, it's cold out there. The theater is not heated properly. It's winter. I'm like, yeah, when Jumper yeah. Jack's trying to survive. Yeah, and uh, and you look good, too, in your costume. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah you're wearing it well. well 
Wonder. Wonder. Uh huh. Wonder. Do you hear me? Yes. Wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for uh, opening us up to a West Coast audience. And oh. uh, I hope that I hope that you give the streaming link so that they can see the last performances. You know, it's mm-hmm. an ovation or information can be gotten at the uh, theaterforthenewcity.net uh, for the mm-hmm. final performances. We want to announce that there's going to be a West Coast uh, version next oh. year. Uh, in September, we'll start rehearsing uh, the uh, Afro Shakespeare Company, uh, Peter oh. Callender. And uh, we're giving the uh, New York uh, actors a choice in the roles if they can find accommodations out here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think a couple of, couple of them already expressed interest and uh, having roles out here, so we have first we would have a first uh, a first rate uh, you know cast. So mm-hmm. uh, that announcement should be made. But thank you for this because uh, just in New York, we don't get any mainstream notice for our plays. Uh, mm. You know, I think the kind of black plays they want in the mainstream are, are the same they've done a hundred years ago. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and, which are predictable, not threatening, and uh, we have to thank uh, the progressive media in New York, WBAI, and the brown and black media uh, for promoting our show, because it's been no- ignored by the uh, mainstream publications. And so now, according to the New York Times, the leading black playwright in the country is Tony Kushner. And, and in the 1920s, the leading black playwright was Eugene O'Neill. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Oh, wow, that's crazy. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's to be expected, but it's crazy. Oh. So they had, a, they had an article about black women and, and Broadway. It was all about Tony Kushner. And a play about the relationship between a young man or young boy and his nanny. So uh, we don't have those stereotypes in our plays. Uh, we don't have people selling drugs. We don't have uh, any of the stereotypes that you see in these series like Power, High Town, uh, The Wire started all this stuff. I don't know why people fell for The Wire because even the black actors who played in The Wire hated it. And uh, so since then you've had a series of uh, of, of uh, television uh, performances in which black uh, kids are responsible for uh, drug distribution when the white life expectancy has been diminished because of oxycontin. So I wonder who's telling that. So anyway, we try to avoid these stereotypes. And I want to thank this cast because I know that script was challenging. That's a challenging script. And uh, I think you all did very well. And I want to thank Paula. You know, Carla has directed plays uh, in other parts of the world. She went through China and put my play in, into shape over there. And uh, at uh, Hunan, all Chinese cast speaking these long monologues in perfect English. And the Hunan Daily said it was the highlight of this conference. Uh, she also mm-hmm. directed play a play in Ramallah which included a uh, Syrian and Palestinian cast. So we had a first-rate uh, 
director, first wave cast, a lot of room in the theater, although I don't think we had the kind of rehearsal space we needed, and uh, the cast came through. So I'm very proud of this production. Hope we can do it again in New York, and I know it's going to be done on the West Coast. But well, I want to thank you for this. I appreciate this. Oh, thank you, Ishmael, for your wonderful work. Um, you really, really contribute a lot to um, you know the canon that is American art because you tell the you tell the stories that are what make our country what it is. You know, you sort of excavate you know those those stories and and centering it in this wonderful artist who died so young is just really perfect. Um, Laura Robart uh, Robards if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, I want to give you yeah, an opportunity Robert, to talk me. about your your character, you know, the forensic expert one, Grace. I really like those scenes, um, you know, with the uh between uh the the forensic expert, you know, sort of taking this cold case. Like how did you know, so who was responsible for this this artist's death? Um, really, really like that. I um so anyway, talk about your talk about your role, your character, yourself and the play. Yeah. Um, so Grace is a total nerd. <laughs> um, you know, as it states in the show, she's a classics major and I think that she lives in a really sort of cerebral space where she's making uh a lot of uh complex uh she has a very complex thought process and is able to draw sort of interesting but very apropos parallels between these sort of seemingly divergent worlds, but that are really all related. Um, she's a little bit, she has a little bit of ignorance. She's a little, has some blind spots, but I think that through the show, she, uh, at least my sort of interpretation of the arc of the character is that she becomes just so enraged by the way that this artist is being misrepresented. Um, so that, you know, when we come to that final moment at the end of the show where she's, she's imagining this future, uh, that never came to be where Basquiat survived, it's, it's really moving for her, um, because it's a tragedy and not only is it tragic, it was so in her mind, so preventable, right? Um, so, and actually, funnily enough, I, I was an art history major, (laughs) um, and was in my in my course of study really interested in sort of a revisionist art history that was challenging the canon and um, trying to go against, you know, sort of the, again, a lot of the white supremacist notions that have uh, fueled uh, art history and art historical criticism. And I, I didn't know, uh, you know, Basquiat was not it particularly like an area, his work was not an area that I studied per se, but it's amazing. I mean, it fit a lot with what I sort of studied and was examining when I was in college, um, which is that, you know, the canon in Western art isn't actually interested in looking at a world history perspective. It's very, very Western-centric. And sort of ironically, Grace obviously is, is interested in, you know, the Western canon and that tradition. She's a Western classics major. But I think that this moment of uh, experiencing Basquiat's work and understanding uh, how he was misrepresented actually uh, helps her to sort of broaden her perspectives, too, on how our how we tell our stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, 
Yeah, um, and I really like, you know, sort of the research um, that uh, these two um, forensic uh, agents, specialists, are. I mean, they're really combing through, you know, material trying to get at what happened here. I mean, you know, like we want to, you know, we want to charge, you know, you know, the entities that are responsible for his early death because this, you know, this was clearly, you know, travesty of justice. But then, you know, we juxtapose that with, you know, what's happening in the various precincts and people being bought off and, you know, when caring about what's happening when young black artists disappear, you know, young black scholars, women disappear. And, uh, but then we have, you know, this... um this character that's represented by uh <laughs> by uh um, miss uh Roz's, uh character um you know detective mary van uh helsing like she's mm-hmm. like she's like the crusader <laughs> yeah absolutely I like, her, I like her character she's like oh my goodness it's so awesome um someone yeah. just joined us um and this one, if you want to, um, oh, sorry, were you, were you, um, yes, yeah, something else no, you wanted to? I, I was just going to observe, too, that Grace, my character, like, really looks up mm-hmm. to and respects Detective Van Helsing, you know. And mm-hmm. she's on her side and trying to, you know, fight with her, you know, in this whole mm-hmm. investigation. Um, so that's, that was all I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, it's, you know, it's so interesting, you know, um, you know, we think about sort of some themes that are running through the work, um, you know, we think about sort of father loss and mother loss and um, and as well as, you know, sort of like trying to be seen in this, uh, this, this dominant narrative that doesn't include you, you know, unless mm-hmm. you're being objectified. Right. <laughs> Mhm. And and so you got these 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 women characters sort of like you know sort of like championing championing uh you know the folks that are that are not being getting what what their due is, you know. So it's kind yeah, of Yeah, I think cool. they both Yeah, I think the characters, the forensic experts really relate to that, you know, feeling unseen <clears throat> um feeling invisible. Mhm. Yes. Mhm. <laughs> One of my favorite so, um, lines in the play is, uh, until the lion tells the story, the hunter will always be the hero. And it mm-hmm. just really points to, you know, the fact that we're responsible for our own stories because uh, a lot of times our stories told by other people don't really humanize us. They're caricatures of, 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 they're caricatures of, of people of color, artists of color. And, and, you know, unless we tell our stories and add to our or add to the canon our own stories, you know, we tend to lose the humanity of of the people that we're that we're you know studying, and how um, a lot of the critics or the gatekeepers, of, as, as uh, Ishmael so eloquently speaks about throughout the play, are the ones who are holding the stories and. And the ones who are determining what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, uh, you know, a lot of the the young the young characters in the show have yet to see that. 
Jennifer Blue doesn't see that yet. Young Blood doesn't mm-hmm. see that yet. Everyone else sees that. But you, you also see the naivete and, and this trustingness of who we think um, because someone is, is white or, or in the Western culture or maybe more cultured or famous or, you know, that, that they hold the keys and what they say is good is, is good and who they say is uh, a leech is a leech. You know, and, and it's just one of um, and what Laura said just reminded me of that line because it just says so much. Well, and very conveniently, of course, the sort of mainstream interpretation of Basquiat and his role in the sort of like cultural uh, zeitgeist, if you will, uh, just upholds white supremacist notions. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's just and I, and I think that's really at the core of the show, you know. It's like the opening line. He was defamed as a street urchin, a bum, and a leech, and it, it's just not actually representative of. It's such a um, it's such a reductive view of somebody who is clearly a genius, <laughs> you know. Um, but to uphold his genius, you know, doesn't isn't convenient in terms of again like maintaining a white supremacist notion and also like defining blackness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, well, did everyone get a chance to speak? Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Hi, I hello. just jumped on. My name is Monisha. Uh, mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah. Hi, hello? Monisha. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so we, were, um, we, we had gone around talking about, you know, who we are and our characters um, and what brings us to the play. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> Hi. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, um, I'm... Monisha Siva, I play uh, Raksha, which is the other forensic expert um, and who's, yeah, who's just trying to find what actually killed Basquiat. Um, she's a, not really in the beginning of the play, she's not very invested in, you know, in this investigation because, you know, she's, she's not an art historian. It's not a, it's not a very, it's not like a, you know, a cut and dry murder type, you know, with a gun or a knife, you know. Um, so for her, this is a very, a case that she's not necessarily want, actively want to get involved in, but then finds herself very, very invested and very, very um, emotionally invested as well to Basquiat's life. Um, and she really points out the racism throughout the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and what brings you to the role? Are you also um, uh, sort of a, an a Ishmael Reed veteran, like you've been in other plays of his? Um, yeah, I have been in his other plays. I've been in The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, mm-hmm. I played Diana, a runaway slave. Um, I was also in uh, Life Among the Aryans. Um, as well, and play the journalist there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what attracted you to this play? Um, it's different. It's so different um, because it's it's yeah, it's an investigation. Uh, for me, it's a different. I mean, it's an investigation of a life in a different way. It's, again, it's almost like similarly to. To Raksha, like it's really super interesting to, yeah, to like, uh, uh, it's not a cut and dry, you know, 
um, murder case, but it's all about, you know, finding the pieces and the parts. I think it's really important also, yeah, to his life. Um, I've never really understood Jean-Michel Basquiat until this play, to be honest. I didn't even understand Andy Warhol. I just was never attracted to his, his, uh, his uh, sort of art, but I, he just seemed like a really mysterious man to me. And um, I think this is also just a very, a prototype of what happens in, in a lot of our uh, art scenes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of artists die young, you know, die in New York. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Ishmael, um, in the play, um, you sort of juxtapose um, uh, with with your character, uh, Richard Pryor, and, and you actually knew Richard Pryor um, uh, that, you know, like sort of Hollywood uh, is, is like New York in that it's, it's, it's detrimental to... Mm-hmm to black artists, to artists of color. And and then you mm-hmm. also bring in, you know, Cinderella and you bring in um you bring in um Asar and Aset or Isis and Osiris and you bring in um I don't remember, I don't know if it's Antonio, but this Grecian youth beautiful Turkey. person. And yeah, yeah, and this was, you know, I, I you know, thought that was really things, interesting, uh, that part of the play. Yeah, Robert Cooper uh, came up with a concept known as uh, hypersexuality, and he put his finger on a process that I've been using for many years, is that one thing leads to another. For example, uh-huh. if I find that the metaphor of blood is used often, not only by our critics, but uh, auction houses, in defining the relationship between Basquiat and Warhol, then I bring mm-hmm. in for people to talk about blood as a metaphor and to treat it as a crime scene. That's why the forensic mm-hmm. people are there. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, there are different connections that I use, for example, in my book, uh, my novel, Mumbo Jumbo, which is celebrating the 50th year this year. Uh, mm-hmm. publishers Congratulations. 50, mm-hmm. 50th year. <laughs> publication been in print for 50 years but I also use a process there in that I tried to make connections between disparate entities which is what painters call a collage so when mm-hmm. one reviewer was so used to the linear sort of like uh, progression of a play that they uh, was not acquainted with this process so Sometimes it doesn't work. Other times it does. For example, we had that scene about the the, uh, the excursion up the uh, Nile by the Emperor Hadrian and his lover. Well, mm-hmm. Lascott has a painting called the Nile and Egyptian kings. And so he was acquainted with different traditions, and I try to make connections with them. I try to add some comic relief with the uh, with the uh, vampire figure and the wolf man in the sense that uh, vampirism is an expression that's been used to describe the relationship between Warhol and Bastiat. And as a matter of fact, he was called Drella around the uh, factory. You know, his, his, his nickname was Drella across the street. Dracula and Cinderella, so I brought him Cinderella. 
So the play mm-hmm. begins with Cinderella mm-hmm. attending a mask party where people required to wear, wear masks at a vampire's townhouse, which is also somebody, a, a friend called me yesterday, he's writing a piece about the play, Persuade. He said, well, you, you have uh, Epstein in mind. You know, his parties, the black book, and the, these are these are um, billionaires from all the world who, 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 uh, in, including Bill Gates, who guests at uh, Epstein's mansion. And yeah, Epstein is too. And there's some current. There's also some contemporary stuff like uh, missing black girls. Yeah. Missing black girls are pretty different from the way missing white girls are treated. So it, it, it may look, it may sound like a hodgepodge. But if you look at the script and you look at the play, it all makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. So, so, so the, the, I think I think the moral of the story is that, uh, and I think uh, we talk about that in some lines in the play. There's such a there's such a demand on artists. Michael Jackson, you know, uh, not only black artists but white artists, Prince. There's such a demand. You have Spotify. You had. Amazon's, you have all this like cannibalism, like electronic cannibalism, you know, demanding, like a Wall Street taking over the arts, making demands on artists that they turn the stimulus. And uh, then I found some research. I've never run across, I've read all these books on slavery, but I've never ran across uh, the subject of cocaine, narcotics, and slavery. And so I found a site where during the slavery period, the masters gave cocaine to slaves in order to force them to take cocaine in order to increase production. And you can see that happening with uh, people like uh, uh, Boss Gap. As a matter of fact, he, he was referred to as a slave uh, in the, uh, when he was with uh, Nina Nose, uh, Somebody said he was liking him to be a slave in the dungeon. Uh, also, want to talk about how the overwhelming anti-Bosgab uh, propaganda, which is all you get so far. I, I was just a minority report about the artists. They sort of like uh, they, they sort of like uh, his, they, they see some of his galleries, some of the people report them as, as uh, victims, including Mary Boone. Mary Boone went to prison. Mary Boone yeah. went to prison for 30 months for tax uh, fraud. He spent $800,000 in improvements for an apartment and uh, $19,000 on a shopping street in San Francisco. So it shows you the kind of corrupt people that he was involved in. And so as long as he was, as long as he was producing and making them money, they didn't care about the uh, destruction that was happening to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, in our our closing minutes, I wanted to um, let everyone have an opportunity um, to share, um, you know, a favorite scene, um, a favorite line. um, uh, But also, I I was really, um, I really enjoyed um, looking at the veves that were part of the, the visual landscape on the screen. Um, and and the various um, uh, images, you know, portraits that uh, that was Carl's idea. And I, that was Carl, hmm? Carl, that was Carl's idea. Oh yeah, very nice. Yeah, and and I was wondering, 
the Veves, I don't remember which, which ones they were, but I really liked, you know, the cultural Bear, spirit Bear, aspect. Yeah, Baron Samidi, Baron Samidi and, uh, and uh, Matt, Madame Bridget, who's a, a white loa in Haitian uh, Bodum, uh, those are the, the, the Berbers that were uh, presented there. And that brings up another point, Wanda. Basquiat was working from the traditions about which Eurocentric critics were ignorant. And one of the tips I got was from Facebook. Uh, Charlotte mm-hmm. Touche, who's a Native American artist, talked about mm-hmm. the influence of Native American art on Basquiat's stuff, something that no uh, Eurocentric critic mentioned. They don't mention the Haitian mythology. So this shows that... Uh, Often, Eurocentric criticism is so narrow that it's not able to detect all the resources that the artist has at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um I was reading an essay um, by uh, Bell Hooks. Um, uh, I say to both um, Basquiat and and uh, and Bell Hooks, and she was she was writing um, in her her um, it was outlaw culture um, that essay is in there. Um, he wrote about the uh, influence of um, Native Americans on Basquiat, as well as, you know, sort of, like, he, he was so young, and, like, you writing your play, oh, man, um, he was, it wasn't, like, he was intentional, and he also knew a lot more than these white critics were giving him credit for. They were treating him like a noble savage, and he knew more than they knew. He said they, they were treating him like a monkey. Ah, monkey, yeah. Yeah. So um, if others would like to, and if you could say your name before you make your comments and we can know who, who's speaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, would you like to, um, you know, we can make a round and uh, you can have some closing remarks. And again, I want to let everyone know um, we're speaking about uh, Ishmael Reeves, The Slave Who Loved Caviar, uh, which is up through January 9th at uh, the Theater for uh, the New City, and it's in New York. And um, tickets are hecka reasonable. I don't know how, but they're very reasonable. Uh, And you can stream it, and you can also, if you're in New York or that vicinity, you can actually go into the theater. Um, And there's a website. Um, and I have a link to the tickets um, here on on this website. Should I call your names? <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Oh, this is this is Laura Robards. Um, my well, just to kind of sort of uh, reiterate what Ishmael said, one of the lines from the show that always strikes me the most is the quote of Basquiat talking about how he's treated like a monkey, um, which is just like ugh, such an indictment of you know the entire art crowd. But my favorite scene is actually the second, the third to last scene, the sort of culmination of everything, um, where there's just like a lot of theatrical antics. You know, uh, Roz or Detective Van Helsing comes in and she finds Jennifer Blue and she finds Young Blood and. You know, it's just, it's fun to be watching from backstage and hearing what's going on on stage because, of course, there's like, you know, a little bit of bedlam backstage, too, because there's so much activity. And I just think that that scene has such great energy and vitality 
and the actors have so much fun. So it's always really fun to just get to overhear that from while I'm waiting in the wings, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time to have us on. This has really been an honor and a pleasure. Um, and I'll pass, pass the mic. Okay. Thank you, Laura. I, I guess I'll go next. This is um, this is Raul Diaz. Um, one of the themes that stick out in my mind the most in the play, or one of the themes is just like, there's also like, as well as long as as well as well as Ishmael does a job of um, talking about Basque and Andy Warhol's relationship. Um, he also does a really good job of just like educating us on the art world and how Wall Street and um, all these billionaires just take advantage of the artists. Um, like, there's a line. There's a line about um, somebody paying $84,000 for a blank canvas, and all it, all it has on it is the words, take the money and run, which is hilarious. Um, somebody selling a, a, a rotten banana peel, putting it on a canvas and selling it as art. Um, so all those funny, quirky things that I thought were jokes that actually happened in real life were um, uh, was very educational and it's amazing to learn. Um, also learned a lot about um, John Michelle Basquiat, who was um, – half Asian, half Puerto Rican, you know, Caribbean-born artist. So that was also amazing. Um, I must say, though, my favorite scene is between um, um, Youngblood and uh, Mr. Brooks, just because it takes you into, like, this conflict between, like, the new school and the old school of African-American artists, and just the way um, they see things and the way they have a different point of view. And um, both those actors bring a lot, a lot to those characters. So I always enjoy watching that scene in the back. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Raul. Robert E. Turner here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to, um, you know, I have two scenes in a play. Um, this the scene with Young Blood, which is which is I, I like the exploration of, of what Ishmael did with that scene, and the what I like most of in the play is is the articulation, I mean, the words that we, we, are, <laughs> we are expounding is like, it's amazing. And, um, and I like um, uh, 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 the, not only the scene with um, Youngblood, but uh, um, the, scene of re- the scene of redemption when, um, when, 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 when Jack Brooks is in, in court after he turns and he's on trial and mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, 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 and, and, and find a way to, to redeem himself and, and to the Graves family. And, uh, um, but the articulation that the, the cast expound and, and Ishmael words and Carla's direction, it, it's, 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 it's just, it's truly amazing. And, um, and the whole reason why I, I, I I did this play because it, it, um, Ishmael has always taken me on a journey into areas that I, sometimes I know little about, and I've learned a lot about the art world in doing this play. And and uh, um, it, it's it's just so it's, it's so wonderful. I call it fantastical. Uh, 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 um, it's a fantastical production. And I like all the scenes. I like all the scenes. Um, no, no special scenes because I like the story, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just want to give a, sh- a shout out to my brother, um, Rome Neal, 
who called me for this, and because um, Rome know I love Ishmael stuff, and I've been doing it all the way back in the '90s. So um, I just been, you know, so that's what you know. I just love his work, and I love because he, he's daring, and he go against the grain, and that, you know, and I'm that kind of rebel myself. So I just want to just thank him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Turner. Um, this mm-hmm. is Kenya, uh, Kenya oh, Wilson. Okay. Sorry. Uh, my favorite scene outside of the Richard Pryor scene, which first I'd like to I'm to say that I feel so blessed and thankful to have done a piece by Ish, written by Ishmael Reed and Carla Blank's direction and choreography, I just have to mention, because the movements that she came up with were just amazing. But I particularly like the detective and housing scene outside of the um, outside of the hot and hot because I just I just love seeing the dynamics between this this strong black woman detective playing cat and mouse with these two who I consider criminals <laughs> these <laughs> blood suckers. Uh, but just to see the dynamic and and just the the perseverance of this one detective who just will not let not let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, and who's been through so much, but it refuses to not let her voice be heard. And so that, that scene just means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of suspense because I keep on thinking, oh, my God, is she going to be safe? Because, you know, like you don't know if she's going to be successful and she's so brave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Wilson. Um, someone else? Hi, uh, this is Monisha. I, I guess I'll go. Jesse, one on here. Uh, Hello. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so I think I think it's Brian and Monisha. I think you're both um, interested right now. So, uh, Monisha, why don't you go first, and then Brian? Monisha, we we can't hear you. Monisha? Uh, she's still there? Yeah, okay. Well, um, I don't hear her anymore. <laughs> um, so, so Brian, uh, Anthony Simmons, you want to go now um, while we wait for her to unmute her or whatever? Uh, I'm not sure what's going absolutely. on. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think just like what... I, I love the show just entirely, like every piece of it, every second of it. Um, for me, like the selfish aspect is I've been able to learn so much from everyone in this show, whether it has been uh, watching all of you with your character work, your movement, your vocal choices have been amazing. Uh, and one thing that I really want to say, she doesn't know this. Uh, Kenya and I have been in like eight shows together. Uh, and oh. secretly, every time we're in a show together, I compete against her about who can work the hardest. And I thought, like, I, I thought, like, I would go on par this time until she had to step in as that underset. Like, I thought, and I've never been so far in, like, second place at a competition of two that no one knew they were in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for me, it's like an artist's, like, paradise for me to be around all these people, um, be around all this information, direct connection to the life and stories themselves. Um, so, yeah, I've just enjoyed it, and I look forward to doing more of it. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Kenya, do you have a comeback? <laughs> we'll have a conversation about that, Brian. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I know. It's for me to know because i, I got to hold on to it. But I enjoy working with I enjoy working with everyone. It's been a blessing. Oh my gosh. Everyone is so giving. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone else who, who didn't get a chance to share? Actually I'll I'll tell you my favorite scenes. Um, Jesse. Uh-huh. Uh excluding the ones I met, of course, because I have a ball, you know, doing my own scenes and playing my own scenes row and with Ross Fox. But if I have to choose the ones I'm not in, one is definitely uh, there's a scene where Robert Turner is in court and he had just been sentenced and he's, mm-hmm. you know, allowed, you know, to address the judge and to address the court. And that's a wonderful monologue, I think. And mm. the other scene that I find myself watching just from backstage as a fan is the dream sequence with um you know Kenya Wilson doing the um the choreography to this you know rambling speech by by Richard Pryor that Basquiat is getting in a dream those are just wonderful scenes for me and they are you know a joy to be a part of absolutely yeah yeah thank you um Ishmael um do you have any closing comments um i i wanted to mention to you Ishmael and um it's just the um there's uh there's some lines around um how uh African American heroes are being portrayed by non African American actors. And yeah, um and I'm like, wow, I've never I thought that, you know, that well why can't why can't Harriet Tubman be portrayed by a person of African descent? from this country, you know, in a film. Or yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. or Hank Aaron. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, I've never I've never heard it said or I mean, like, it's in a play, like we, wow. I asked uh, Woody King about uh, why uh Hollywood is Hollywood prefers uh, uh British and Nigerian actors to American actors. And Woody mm-hmm. King, who has been run the Federal Theater for many years. Yes. And he said that uh, African-American actors are upset about it, but they, they're afraid of losing their jobs in Hollywood. So uh, I think this is something to uh, consider, that black American actors are considered troublesome. I interviewed, uh, we interviewed Luke Gossett in Alibi, my magazine, and he said he can't get gigs because he's trouble. And we hired Bill Gunn, the great Bill Gunn, who uh, directed our movie, Personal Problems, which is now considered number is number 44 of best uh, films ever done in New York City. Uh, New York City is a locale. So uh, this is the struggle of the black actor, black American actor, and the struggle of black theater, which is a theater on the run. And with that in mind, I uh, refer uh, members of the cast to an article that's online now, Alta, A-L-T-A, altamagazine.com, 
where I talk about the struggles of the Black Repertory Theater in Berkeley. Uh, one of the other, outside of New York and Post Cafe, the other theater in the United States that does my plays, they were run out of uh, Mississippi in the 1940s for uh, presenting theater in uh, Mississippi, Pittsburgh, Mississippi. Matter of fact, the Klan attacked their home three times. And Mona uh, Ron Scott, who's now the director of Black Rep, uh, was really uh, hit by gunfire by the Klan. And now the progressives in Berkeley are trying to close them down and harassing them. And I think they epitomize the struggle of the uh, black theater, which has always been a subversive theater. 19th century black theater in New York, they tried to close it down because it became competitive with uh, the white theater. So um, I think we, we are very lucky to have a multicultural cast. And I think this is the cast, and this is how future producers and choreographers will look like. And I think uh, there will be a time when we will be able to write outside stories. Nancy Mercado and her essay on West Side Story, you know, they, they continue to praise that thing, even though uh, Puerto Rican American or New Yorkian scholars and intellectuals hate that thing. Uh, and an essay on West Side Story in our book, Bigotry on Broadway, where she says, when do we get to write ours? And I think Kenya made a very acute uh, 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 or uh, profound remark when she said, who tells the story? And I'm always thinking of George Bernard Shaw's, uh, quoting uh, George Bernard Shaw when he said, if you do not tell your story, others will tell them for you, and they will vulgarize and degrade you. And that about sums up how we are depicted in the mass media, television, and film. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a wonderful work, uh, Ishmael, um, The Slave Who Loved Caviar. Again, it's up through January 9th at the theater for the New York City in New York City. And there is a live and streaming option. And uh, tickets are fifteen dollars, um, and uh, I thought they were ten dollars for the online, um, but I'm not sure anymore. But uh, it, it's um, it's it's reasonable. Oh, okay, yeah. So definitely, you don't want to miss this. Um, and then you know, when it comes to the West Coast, you know, folks on the East Coast can watch it <laughs> virtually. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, Congratulations uh, to all of you all who are um, joining me and those who aren't from the cast. It is yeah. phenomenal, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again now that I've actually got a chance to talk to you. It's like, oh, yeah, he said that, 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 that. She said that, that, that. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and then Laura, you know, be able to see you now that you're back. So it's really, oh, really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm thank glad you're you. feeling better. So thank you, Ishmael, for this work. Um, you just keep on churning it out. What is this, play number 13 or something? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you, you certainly are a genius, and we're so happy that you're still churning them out, still, you know, producing all this wonderful art. We hope that you continue to do so for a long time to come. Well, thank you very much, Juan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Juan. I appreciate it for having us. Oh, you're welcome. You all have a good rest of the day, so and looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, Juan. Have a good day. You're welcome. Yeah. Have a good you day. too. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye.
Peace and blessings. <laughs> so we're going to um, play uh, something from uh, Wadada Leo Smith. Um, don't you remember? I just had it and I just misplaced it. Oh, here we are. Uh, well, I'm going to play uh, Scenes of a Forgotten Flower.
Yes, me, yeah. Okay, yes. It's, it's like, that is, it's really nice. And then just the percussion is like, uh, it sounds like, you know, Cora. It's like really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, no, it's Black, Black West left for many years in uh, Tangier. Ah. And um, uh, he has so many uh, uh, recordings with, with people on on the continent and stuff like that, and, uh, in addition mm-hmm. to playing with Anne Coleman for many years, you know. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, you know, just the title, you have some great titles. I mean, you're, it's like I was saying, you know, when we were rescheduling the interview that you are, um, you're a great writer as well as a wonderful musician, and just the titles of these pieces, um, you know, um, Buffalo People, A Blues Ritual Dance, and and then Seeds of Forgotten Flower, you know, the, the poem, and uh, Don't You Remember, that's, you know, the poem, too, is really nice. And I was just thinking, you know, about memory, and it seems like a lot of your work has to do with recall and Sankofa and, you know, yes. sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does, you know, mm-hmm. because you see, like, um, memory is a constructive highway that led from where you was to where you're at, you mm-hmm. see, and then it mm-hmm. becomes a bridge when you find out about it and where it's going to take you. Oh, so so even if you don't remember... Uh, well, it, if you don't remember, your your journey would be harder. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, people use the day, they use those things, those, um, what do they call them, um, things that show them directions. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, the GPS. GPS. <laughs> well, everybody's lost with GPS. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, I couldn't yeah. get a signal yesterday, and I'm like, oh, my God, no signal. You can't, I mean, like, I'm like sitting there like, I don't know where to go. There's no signal. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well, see, memory, if you don't remember, it's just like that, you see. But mm-hmm. it, but memory itself is a, is an important fascination. Uh, it's really a very fascinating aspect of the human spirit because just, for example, um, if you don't remember, you can't dream, and then you can't. If you don't remember, you can't wake up. You know. Yeah. Wow. Because each time we go to sleep, we remember that we're going to sleep, and we also remember that we're waking up. Mhm. Yeah. So it's a very powerful thing. Um, uh, in Islam, they teach the idea of remembering God as a as a way of transforming yourself completely from your environment up to this higher uh, higher dimensions. Mhm. You know, so so memory is so important. And mm-hmm. what I try to capture in my titles, I try to make the titles really condense uh, poetry. Mm-hmm. In other words, like one word, like for example, Emmett Till, defined and fearless. Yes. That that's just those two words. <laughs> uh, one could really speak or say a lot about them in context of. Um, what they mean, but if you look at his life and when this act occurred, or which these that defined and fearless uh, addresses, mm-hmm. it shows something very powerful. You know, here's a here's a, a young teenager who's been caught in the grips of some angry men, and um, they were hoping to teach him a lesson, but. They couldn't teach him a lesson because he was not afraid of them, and he had no fear of dying. Mm-hmm. And that's why they had to kill him, mm-hmm. because they knew that, that there was no way to do, to defeat him uh, spiritually. So they tried to they wiped him out physically. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that that wipe out physically didn't happen because I mean, yes, he did get killed. His parents 
I've missed him all these years and his relatives. But Emmett Till is on all, all of our tongues today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And, and that's about memory. Yeah, yeah, particularly, you know, the way, um, you know, his mom, uh, you know, went there and got him and, mm-hmm. and you know, said, no, we're going to have a open, you know, open casket so people can mm-hmm. see. And, and a lot of people talk about how that image is, you know, sort of when they became conscious of race in America and mm-hmm. and their position as, you know, a black man or a black person in America, you know, what we were worth uh, mm-hmm. in the eyes of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 that, that that whole family shows a sense of of, of fearlessness. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And it's 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 how you teach a young child that. Well, if the parents are fearless, the child probably is going to be fearless. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. Wow, it's interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking when you were speaking that you know he's you know he's both a symbol and and a metaphor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about, um, you know, 10 Freedom Summers, um, let's, let's continue because I was reading that, you know, um, you know, you have 18 movements and there are three thematic collections. And I know you're like a number. I mean, nothing is accidental <laughs> with you. So it's like, what does the 18 mean? Like, do you add the 8 plus the 1 and then divide it by something and get another number? <laughs> well, well, 18, you know, 18 is, is really a very powerful number. It's got a primer and it's got this, this, got this 8 which is infinity, mm. you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm born on the 18th of December. Okay. And and um, eight, eight also, 18 also means nine, which is a, a very uh, powerful universal number. Sure is. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, uh, it came out to be 18 collections of pieces uh Purely through the fact that I started a long time ago in 1977, I believe I wrote the first piece, which was Mega Evers. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it uh, uh, not thinking of this as a project that would last all these years. I wrote it because, you know, uh, I was born in that area. I remember the night, the, the, the actual night that he was shot down. Mm-hmm. I remember what had happened just before he was shot down, for example. Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy had given an address about civil rights, and um, he was shot down a, a few moments, minutes after that uh, address. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I remember distinctly that, and, and that's why I wrote the piece. I didn't write it for Ten Freedom Summers. I wrote it as a way of honoring those uh, uh, powerful people that that actually did good work. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but over the years it grew. You know, I, I looked at another point of view, another point of view, another point of view, and then like two and a half years ago, I started getting commissions and also uh, residencies and stuff like that, where I just worked exclusively on this music. And I've been working on it for the last two and a half years, uh, round the clock, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it just finished, just. Um, uh, uh, not, not last week, but a few days or so ago. I mean, like oh. like maybe eight days ago, I finished the last piece, mm-hmm. which is JFK. Yeah. And uh, uh, a lot of people notice that I have I've, I've utilized uh, in this mixture uh, uh, several uh, uh, 
presidential guys like Truman, for example, mm-hmm. uh, uh, LBJ and JFK, uh, because what I'm looking at is is how was this movement of African American in America impacted the the uh, lives and history of this country, and it looks like it's bigger than just a, a single movement of trying to focus on the uh, the human rights of the people in, in the society. It looks like it's an engagement to actually be a reciprocal uh, motion where, uh, like, like one person asked me if my meeting was about uh, victims, and they were talking essentially about African-American victims, and I tried to explain to them that person that denies another person's right, that person is a victim, is a victim also of mm-hmm. his own ignorance. Right. And I don't really mean just the ignorance of it, but that person is, a, is, is actually uh, has suffered a great um, uh, illusion about himself mm-hmm. or herself. Yeah, because you, know, you think about Hegel and the dialectic imperative, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, what Hegel writes around the slave and the person that's you know, the slave master and how the slave is really more powerful than the slave master. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it, 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 it's, a, it's a really powerful thing because right now I think the way the creator has shown America and the world is that racism as a, as a, as a much larger issue is how, in fact, people have dealt with the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I'm not talking about just here in this country because here in this country has been an exact profile of of what what evenness is, but also in other places. You know, like when they when they went to that that big summit, uh, the Chinese government met with the other European governments behind their back for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, or when he went to China, I watched him address. Uh, uh, on the on on that television uh, uh, report where he made his speech, and he also in his speech looked over at the Chinese uh, ambassador or leader, mm-hmm. and during the Chinese speech he never ever looked at him, not one thing at a time. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know. Mhm. Uh, there's something about how people read things, and and almost nothing is hidden. And has never been hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and things that used to be hidden aren't hidden anymore because we have, you know, such an easy way to communicate now with, you know, with cyber, you know, communication. You know, the internet mm-hmm. makes everything easier to transmit. So if you were hiding something, you can't hide it anymore. Can't hide it anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you divide divide these movements into three thematic collections: defining moments in America, which you spoke about. What is democracy? And then the ten freedom summers. Um, yeah, I'm really happy. You know, of course, you had to have um, you know Fannie Lou Hamer in there. <laughs> I think she's a oh, real yeah. powerful she's, woman. <laughs> she's a powerful woman, and and her story is so fantastic. Yes, it is. You know, it 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 um, it easily. Um, uh, shows you the courage and the intellect of a person who didn't even go to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
her courage, the thing that, 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 that bust my heart open so much when I read about her, is that after she and her husband registered a vote, mm-hmm. the plantation owner came up to their house and said, look, go down there and unregister or get off my plantation. That's right. Mm-hmm. They walked off. Yeah. And then, they and didn't that, have to deliberate on They simply left those people there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. And then the brutal, you know, brutality that she experienced, you know, when she was in pierce, imprisoned, yeah. um, you know, like they just, they really hurt her. Yeah. I mean, really, really badly. No, they they, they, they did wrong things to her, that's, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But even in, in, in that, it's still remembered and it still is a part of us. Mm-hmm. And this whole this whole uh, experience in America is still part of that. Um, one day, that Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party may actually become a party again. Mm. That would be nice. <laughs> because one of the things that's wrong with our country is when you got a two-party system, mm-hmm. they can easily afford to um, to not do anything easily. Right, yeah. Um, you are, you know, collaborating with, um, you know, wonderful, um, some wonderful folks. Um, and uh, one of the, the collaboration is with the, uh, is the um, uh, Von Der Smith, um, uh, Jeff uh, Von Der Smith. Uh, Jeff Von, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, with Southwest. And Southwest, yeah. And you all have, have done some things before, um, and I was reading about the black church, and I'm like, oh, that sounds Church is really early. It's about 15 years or so ago, maybe mm. even 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, that I composed it. It's for string quartet, mm-hmm. and uh, actually, it's it's going to be a part of this collection too because oh, the Black Church is is actually the main center where everything happened uh, in in the terms of of uh, post colonialism. Uh, not colonialism, but post-slavery, where everybody met, and also it became the vehicle for really education in this society, both in terms of of uh, collecting money to to pay for education and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to be included in the collection, and also I have another piece called "In the Diaspora." Yeah, I saw that. It looks really interesting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that was going to be in the collection as well, and and the, the main the main reason it's in the collection. Is because both of these things have deep connections with this whole idea about uh, uh, America, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've included them on the performance and also in the recording. Mm. My hope now is that 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 we can manage to keep everything, let's um, uh, uh, say, focused and tight enough so that I can get them all on the. Because there's going to be a recording on November four, November four, five, and six, uh-huh. and it'll be three CDs. And um, I know the 18 pieces will fit, and I'm hoping that the that, that the two string quartets will fit as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really super. So at this concert um, on the 28th, the 29th, and the 30th, uh, where you debut, you know, this wonderful, you know, 10 Freedom Summers, I was wondering. Is it going to travel at all? I mean, are you going to take now, it? Look, we're looking to do that. Um, oh, good. Uh, uh, we have we have we have actually uh, been approaching uh, institutions about uh, mm-hmm. possibilities of of, uh, of sponsoring tour in America. Mm, nice. And uh, I have 
some people in Europe that I work with uh, in Spain and also in Italy mm-hmm. that does management and booking and stuff like that for me overseas. And I'm sure we're going to get it someplace over there as well. Mm-hmm. But this piece, I think uh, the fact that it's such a large work has attracted really good attention. It's gotten a good batch of money uh, for premium and recording of it. Uh, because we got big at the National Endowment and the MAP Fund, and, and about we got total about eight different funding sources mm-hmm. for this piece, which which is kind of unusual. And so I think we're going to be able to do it. For example, uh, what is that that mag that newspaper, the Wall Street Journal? They're yes. sending somebody there, and tons of blogs are coming in, uh, small newspapers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll we'll be able to get this out there. I know. That it, it it it's it's a large work. It's three days, but you know, uh, we got the premiere, so mm-hmm. I, I think everything else comes after that. Oh, certainly. And you know, you just think about sort of the the history that you're covering in you know three short nights. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly. like I mean, like you know, you you mentioned uh, August Wilson, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 how. You know, you you worked with him on the uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I believe, um, mm-hmm. play, which which makes a lot of sense, and I really love that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I think that character who is so philosophical, I think he is so mm-hmm. profound what he says, and I just like Ma Rainey, the you know the character. She's just mm-hmm. just such a a proud black woman and and smart. Yeah, because that's what he was he was trying to show people how beautiful you know this group of people have actually experienced not just what they've experienced, but how they actually experienced uh, being in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, that should be addressed by everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Fences, for example. Uh, that that particular play has been produced in almost every language you can imagine mm-hmm. by Native people, many people within their society. And to me, that's that's kind of something that you you can never ever, uh, how you say, it, uh, make happen. It happened because of the power of August Wilson's ability to to create. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. and another little, little piece of information about it that that play done done the first motion of stuff grossed over three hundred and some million dollars. You know. Sorry to turn off my phone. Yeah, I didn't know that it was was on. I started ringing. Oh. I had to put my phone put it on mute. Like, oh, I don't want to take this. Um, uh, no, no, that's, I, I put mine on mute too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just thought the parallel between, um, you know, the the ten plays, you know, you know, and you and know, sort of looking. Yeah, and your ten summers and the hundred mm-hmm. years of history and um in a and, decade. In a decade. That, 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 that's mm-hmm. exactly how I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was just so phenomenal. And then sort of your your literary connection, I mean, it's, I don't know about all of your your works, but um Heart's Reflections. Um, you know, mm-hmm. sort of you know, you got you're looking at Tony Morrison here. And, exactly. and Look, yeah. I love <laughs> okay. You know, okay. I love writers. I love I love them and uh uh, gosh, that 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 woman, Tony Marshall, mm-hmm. Morris, look at, she she's just fantastic writer. Mm-hmm. She makes you feel exactly like you in the era that she uh, 
uh, presenting to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm um, definitely, um, you know, sort of, sort of raised the level, and it's really interesting how, you know, project after project, it seems like you, um, you know, you keep topping yourself. <laughs> well, you know, someone else asked me that once, and you know what I told them Mm-mm. is that when you when you do something and you, you finish it, you realize that there's much more space above where you just went. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And and it is true, you know, like like uh, 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 stuff like 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 uh, uh, running and let's say uh, uh, cooking and stuff like that. These things have limits, but art don't have no limit. Mhm. That's true. Yeah. It doesn't have a limit because one of the things that 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 the true artist does is that whatever information that inspires them and gives them these works of art, that's an endless reservoir. All they have to do is constantly be open for that. And to get open for that, it just requires a little bit of quietness, mm-hmm. you know, because it's there, you know, uh, that moment of inspiration comes through, not a crowded head, but a head that's actually reflected, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um... I was, you know, in in the um, materials uh, that your publicist sent me, uh, she mentioned that this this um, this piece, you know, this this ten summers, uh, freedom summers, is also debuting around your birthday. I mean, your your birthday yeah, my, my, in yeah, it's coming up mm-hmm. in December. Yeah, December eighteenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing. Uh, the, the, the end of October is is, is the ten freedom summer, and mm-hmm. then December. 15th and 16th, mm-hmm. um, during two days of celebration in in uh, the New Roulette in Brooklyn, in New York City. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, that I'm showcasing five ensembles, five different ensembles. Oh, wow. Which ones? Yeah. Uh, it'll be it'll be Golden Quartet, and then I'm going to make a quintet out of it, and then it'll be my civil orchestra, mm-hmm. and it will be... Um, uh, a piece that was just commissioned for voice and string quartet and trumpet, and uh, let's see what else is there. There's a, uh, a ensemble that's called Imbira. A CD that was recorded five or six years ago is just about to come out on that, mm-hmm. and um, something else. There, there, there are five different ensembles that I'll be showcasing. Wow, that's going to be nice. Where's that going to happen again? Uh, at Roulette. In, in New York City. Well, actually, it's in Brooklyn now. They used to be in New York, but they just got a beautiful space in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Yeah. A uh, beautiful theater there that they have renovated and made into a nice performance space. Mm, that's going to be fun. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Um, tell us about, about, you know, the Golden Quartet and and your other other uh, ensembles, the new uh, Delta Acre. Yeah, New Delta Acre. New Delta, yeah. That one is... That one is Almost, um, uh, how you say it, uh, uh, that, that one is not active right now, but mm-hmm. I was trying to get it for my celebration in, in, in December. Yes. And that still may happen. That that group essentially consists of uh, Dwight Andrews and Bobby Norton and me, mm-hmm. and at one point Wes Brown was in it. And that band was a really beautiful band. We had no drama. We actually uh, looked for... Uh, 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 to try to present a music that was really very 
nice, beautifully, and abstract. And it was always well prepared because we met every single week, whether we had a performance or not, and we worked on new pieces. And it lasted a long time, and I got a number, maybe three or four recordings of that band. And then at some point, uh, let's see, no, there's actually five, because at some point I just said, what out of Lil Smith, but it was the same band. Like, for example, Spirit Catcher mm-hmm. is uh, one that says, what out of Lil Smith, but that's 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 in that culture or New Delta Art Creek. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and what, what does... um. What does New Delta Acre mean? And and then yeah, you know these okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's um, well, the, the, uh, New Delta. It comes from the it, it comes out of the word Delta, mm-hmm. and I associate two deltas, the Egyptian Delta and the Mississippi Delta. Okay. And when I was thinking about this, and so um, I wanted to have some kind of uh, uh, how you say it, uh, historical leap into the past. Mm-hmm. Connecting the future, like an arc or a bow, or a rainbow or something, mm-hmm. and so I, I named it New Delta Acre, and I was assuming that the Delta in Mississippi was newer than the one in Egypt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh. and so I call it New Delta Acre, and then in some later years, I I, I just took the uh, letters and I call it Inda. Oh, Inda. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. pretty. Huh. And then a little bit later, I call it Inda culture. So culture. you know, just a play of words and, yeah. and and letters, and trying to constantly, you know, not necessarily reinvent the stuff, but make it much more um, in touch with how I felt at the moment or at the time. Mhm. Right. Right. Yeah, your students must have fun in your class. Well, they do have fun, but I make them work hard because, you know, this information. T- so a lot of them is very fun, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, it's, it's stuff that they don't hear because I, I go into school as an artist as opposed to a scholar or academic mm-hmm. guy. And universities don't have artists much. You know, they, they have a bunch of uh, academic people and and uh, occasionally associated with scholars. So, so what I bring to them, they can't find really uh, within the context of that that school because we ha- and we do have other artists there except mm-hmm. that they they're looking at something else. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, tell me more about about your working um, uh, quartet, um, the Golden Quartet. Oh, Golden Quartet. Yeah, who's in and it? And, yeah, mm-hmm. that's an interesting one because uh, about what uh, more than a decade and a half ago, it was like just before 2000 came in. Mm-hmm. I started looking and thinking, like, what should I do? I, I wanted to have a group that had a small base of, of, of performers, like four players, and I wanted it to have some kind of allusion towards the, of, of like a quartet or some kind of tradition like that. And I looked around and said, well, maybe I'll do a quartet with just trumpet, piano, bass, and drums. And then when I look at the history, there's not many of those, you know. There's, there's lots of, of groups made with uh, uh, other combination instruments, but trumpet, bass, and drums, piano, bass, and drums, there's not a lot of them. Book a Little had one combination like that. Uh, uh, Miles Davis, the, the Green Haze, that was the only time he had that combination. And very few other people did, you know. 
So I, I, I said, that's what I would do. And the next thing I needed to do was to figure out how I was going to populate it. <laughs> and I decided that the best way to populate it would be with people who were uh, band leaders themselves and had some kind of a history. So I selected Anthony Davis mm -hmm. uh, because he, he was a great he's a great composer and he's led his own bands and uh, I kind of uh, met him when he was like twenty some years old or twenty one uh, and he started playing with me mm -hmm. and then um, I thought about Malachi Favors yeah. whom I always wanted to play with but he was always so busy with the Allen Summer <laughs> but during that time the Allen Summer wasn't as busy as it was before so. I, I got him to be in it, and then Zach Dijonette. Uh We had met many, many times, and I I'd, uh, admired his playing over the years. And uh, we had actually played some in a, in a not official context, but you know, like in 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 in, in a space we just played some. And I was able to put that together. And there were two recordings that came out of that original group. It was in existence for about five years or so, five mm -hmm. years, maybe five, five and a half years. And then Malachi Favors passed. Right. And when he passed, I decided to uh, take a different direction. And then I went to, uh, let's say, Ronald Shannon Jackson on drums, B.J. Ayer on piano, mm -hmm. John Lindbergh on bass. And that lasted a little while, but the drums kept changing from... from, from um, from Ron Shannon Jackson, I went to, uh, uh, God, I'm fantastic. I what's his name, uh, uh, Nasheed Waits. Oh, wow, and then yeah. From Nasheed to uh, Don Moyer, and from Don oh, Moyer. Really, Don Moyer, uh, Art Ensemble again, huh? Yeah, Don <laughs> Moyer and, and Fioron was was uh, two drummers for a while, made the quintet for a while. Nice. Then eventually I settled with just Fioron, and it was um, that group that has been together now for about, uh, well, right at four years with Firon, but with with uh, John mm -hmm. and VJ, it was like five years, and now we almost spoke in the sixth year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. That's really nice. And and but but the whole idea was to have something like that, where the quartet they would give us enough space for everybody to be able to to contribute properly to the ensemble. Uh, when I look around costly around the planet. The notion of a quartet is a very powerful thing in all kinds of music, Western music, African music, Indonesian music, you know. So so I thought it was a good idea. And, and the third important idea is that I wanted the group to last, to last. No matter what would happen, I said I would keep this ensemble and just if personnel needed to move on, they would move on, but I would keep it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the golden... Um that that term golden golden from uh golden state uh <laughs> well, they, golden. Well, the golden come in mm -hmm. because because of the notion that the dollar is based off on on the gold oh, okay but even if you go back a little bit deeper because of how gold is is is, is um collected and how it's refined and all the things that's associated around with it like the like the the high standard relationship that's, that's hooked up in it, and you know, like gold on the heart, gold on soul. Mm -hmm. It has those kinds of uh, 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 implications and connotations for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just um, 
it's just everything seems with you is real purposeful, um, and nothing's arbitrary. And Not it. That's true. Uh-huh. Very true. Yeah. Like the sun. They say the sun is the golden sun, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, it, 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 makes a, it makes a difference if you, if you plot these things out, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could talk about, um, about philosophically of, you know, of your, your artistic vision, because even with regards to who's in, you know, the golden uh, quartet and the music that they play, it's, you know, what they play is not necessarily arbitrary. Just your whole philosophy around that, and we don't have time for you to go into great details, but people can visit your website and read about your philosophy of music because it's, it's really, really great, and it's um, quite uh, fascinating. Uh, but I just well, wanted you to talk. Sorry. sorry, go ahead. I would talk about that, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like um, you see, the, the philosophical basis is, is that the ensemble leader is 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 the head of a of an arrogant an organization or or an arrogant uh, 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 format of people, and what happens is with the ensemble is that that person puts together their worldview through that ensemble, and that worldview become connected with every piece of music that the ensemble play. Even if the ensemble would, let's say, take a piece by Sun Ra or somebody else and play it, that worldview is not eclipsed. It stays right there because philosophically, what I intend to, to present as a musical uh, object is works of art that when they are performed, the way in which they are constructed makes it so that each time it's performed, it's put together in a little bit different way. And I don't mean just structurally different, but the way in which each line interacts and the choices that the musician make within the ensemble makes the final results of each performance come out in a different kind of way. And yet, that when it comes out that different kind of way, it's not unfamiliar to the person that, that knows the music, you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And 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 the other other part of it, uh, philosophically, uh, thinking about it is, is that I've broken the notion of my music down to really the common ground or the common point. For example, most of my music has only long notes and short notes, and if I want to make them longer, I put a line on them, and if I want to have them with a specific kind of uh, uh, motion or knocking or banging against each other, I put a bracket over top of it and determine how it's partitioned and how many notes in it and how it's played. You see? Mm-hmm. And when I do that, it steps away from metrical music, even though within the quality of the music you can find points of metricality, but it's non-metrical. I take, I take away the ability for each player to kind of sit back and count and figure out when they come in. It's all based off of visual sight and off of memory and uh, flow, how the ensemble flow. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it flows slower from one point to the next. Sometimes it flows faster. But if the person has a uh, has defined a level of memory about that piece, they can always connect it based off the flow or the visual sighting of how the lines uh, meet. Mm-hmm. And when that comes up, 
that means that the line flow is not necessarily universally flowing right at the same point. You see, it may flow a little bit different. In fact, you may you may symbolically say that it flows like four different rivers, but with the sighting of each side of the river, one can determine whether they are at this point or another point. And either point is not right or wrong. Either point is within the context of how that those four, four rivers are flowing. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I may use a kind of a metaphor to yeah. talk and, about it. And so are, and are, the, are the rivers um, headed toward the same destination? Are they going to, the pool that they flow into is, it, is it the same pool so that even though they're coming at it in different directions, they're all, they all have the same, in, uh, they have the same, Convening point. Yes, yes, because because the score determines that, mm-hmm. and the score is made for that very same reason. So that when we play the next piece, it has to have its own different journey. You mm-hmm. see, right. and and not 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 have the, the same kinds of properties, uh, the same uh, destination, the same kind of. Uh, uh, view on the journey. It should have a different one. Each one, each piece should have a different kind of motive, you know. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we're able to make the whole program have motion. So you, so, you, so we could say that those four rivers create multiple directions depending on which piece, but ultimately uh, the ensemble itself floats like the earth in this body of water on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's all connected too. It's all connected, exactly. Uh huh. Yeah. The Mississippi River and the River, river Gambia and the River uh, uh, the Nile—they all flow here and there. But ultimately, all the water on the planet is the same water, mm-hmm. even when it's low and high tides. It's the same water. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like, you know, with this particular type of, um, I guess, I guess view of, of the creative process and, and the creative project uh, product, that it's it's alive, you know. It's, uh, it's alive, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's alive. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really know. cool, yeah. Because sometimes, you know, you think about some music, you think it's dead because mm-hmm. you can't change it. It's, it is the way it is. If you're playing it right, it's the way it was like a hundred years ago, <laughs> and and so exactly. much, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And 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 for whatever reason, that satisfies some people, mm-hmm. and it's good probably for them for their spiritual content. But in the instance that we're looking at with with this 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 music of today, you know, it has this energy in it that makes you know that it's alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's supposed to provoke inside of a person something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and hopefully um, people will not necessarily just be able to feel it, but they would know that they have felt it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So it's, it's a conversation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I was reading that uh, your systematic music language is called... Um, Ankh Rasmation. Yeah, is it the Ankh like the Ankh? Uh, it's, it's that same Ankh, yes. Okay. 
It's the same arc, you know, okay. the one that, that Akhenaten and yeah. and uh, <laughs> Menes done the uh, ten thousand years ago hell before the nose of all those people mm-hmm. and beat and touched the chest of them. It's the same arc, okay. which means really vital life force. You see, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. uh, uh, it could also be called vital life breath, but it's in that context of, of vitality. Mm-hmm. Right. And the and the ma. And Ra, Uncle Ra's Mason Ra's come from the the Ethiopian Amharic word, mm-hmm. which which means head, and in, by inference means father. Mm-hmm. And the Ma come from the universal word of mother. Oh. So my language means the vital life force of mother and father, because they are the generative force of that which populate the planet. Mm-hmm. And I would say creation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. So yes. it's it's you know the sort of um, deep thinking around around uh, around music and and your your creative process. Is this because you hung out with the musicians that, uh, that are connected to the association for the advancement of creative musicians, or just living long enough? I mean, how where did this come from? I started I started thinking like this when I was really twelve years old. Twelve. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because you see, like I've always been curious about ideas, mm-hmm. and um, and when I found out that ideas in art and music and people were all connected. Mm-hmm. I started investigating stuff, you know. Mm. Um, I read Marcus Aurelius' meditation when I was 12, between 12 and 13. Mm. And the questions posed in there about life and stuff like that uh, was able to, to bump up against the things that I was being taught in church mm. and the things I was being taught in school and the things I was being taught, being taught in the... Um, in the, in the in the car as the band drives to the next performance, mm-hmm. you see. Yeah. So so I I started thinking when I was twelve years when I was twelve years old I realized that I was thinking, and I was thinking about stuff that uh, I couldn't talk to everybody about. Only my mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, my mom and I was best friends, so I could talk to her about stuff that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Wow. And what what did she? What was her response? Her response was that 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 uh, uh, she and I was close. I mean, I I could write my mother like a like a letter, and she would carry it for months in her in her bag, mm-hmm. and she would periodically read it. I found it out later, but that's that's what she would do. So we would we were in very deeply in touch. Yeah. Oh, that is that very is... much in touch. And uh, uh, when I told her about playing the trumpet and writing music and stuff like that and uh she was so happy mm-hmm. you know uh, she was very happy yeah so you you played other instruments before before the trumpet um why yeah, why the trumpet yeah, but they they, mm-hmm. they they were all they were all like a thing that i didn't really want to play because mm-hmm. when i went to get the instruments like everybody else in my school when they oh. found out that there was going to be a band yes the line was too long to get too close to the door so when i got up to the door I took whatever they they gave me, and it was a it was a vanilla phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I tried it for a couple of weeks, or a month or so, and it didn't fit my personality. And the music director realized it, and so he he one day got so angry with me and the guy next door, 
he told me to go next door and told the guy to come over to my room. And uh, in the other room was a trumpet, which I found. And when, when the guy, the guy's name was Henry, I forget his last name, mm-hmm. he walked into the other room and the mellophone was there. <laughs> and lo and behold, we both became the best players in the ensemble. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. I was just thinking sort of, you know, the, the symbol of, of the, the trumpet, you know, sort of, uh, you know, playing taps, calling people mm-hmm. to order, you mm-hmm. know, sort of thinking about, you know, the, one of the archangels, you know, Gabriel. Yeah, it's in the Bible, it's in the Koran, <laughs> it's in many books. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you yeah. think about all that um, I, I, later I, on? Later, I, I connected <laughs> with those things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah, that is so yeah. cool. Oh, that's really awesome. So, yeah. Well, I um I had a lot more questions uh, Monday when when I uh, when I first finished doing all my research, but I've mm-hmm. I've gone through all of my questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just wow, it's just so phenomenal. Um, you know, since you're a part of a um, uh, university system, you know, Cal Arts, I was thinking that perhaps. You know that system might least you know have you come up north <laughs> and perform up here or something. I hope I, I hope to get up there soon. I mean I haven't been up. Let's see, I haven't been up there recently. I was up there maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I did uh, a couple big pieces up there, but I'm planning to make this music work. At least I know I can get it on the west coast without much difficulty because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of overhead and stuff, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, 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 I have a few uh, presenter friends up there, like up at um, uh, Open Minds and yeah. there's a couple mm-hmm. other places up there mm-hmm. that may be able to to engage, if not all three nights, one of these nights, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just thinking about Cal performances and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's the UC system, and mm-hmm. you know we have a lot. I of have friends in the UC system too, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. believe me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You're gonna work them all. Okay. <laughs> cool. That is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just want to wish you congratulations on this great um, project, and your well, birthday sounds like it's gonna be fun so too. <laughs> that's, that's really. I'm, I'm so happy to talk to you, and now you know, like I have your website. Uh, uh, how you say it, um, in my bookmark folder, okay, stuff like that, and from mm-hmm. time to time, tap in. And uh, we should definitely keep contact. And oh, that'd be lovely. If I'm going to come up that way, I would definitely notify you immediately. Oh. Okay, super. And because uh, cause I, I know that um, uh, I, I have this ascendant feeling inside of me that this particular collection of composition will eventually move around the country in some mm-hmm. context. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just think, like, you know, August Wilson, um, you know, he was here for to do the work he did, you know, to do that 10-play mm-hmm. pl- cycle. But with you, yeah, exactly. I mean, you keep on sharing out all this great stuff, so you'll be here for a long time, hopefully. Uh, God willing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you, know, each, each, you know, each uh, project, each document is just, I mean, I just really love Hart's Reflections. It's just so beautiful, and it's two oh, CDs. It's just like, ooh. And then there well, was that one is done so well, to mm-hmm. tell you the truth. It's a double CD, but it, but it has sold very well. Yeah, know? yeah. So I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, because, you know, I'm Muslim, and, you know, you got the vicar, you know, a radiant yeah, yeah. hearts, and, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. just really lovely, just 
all of it is just so beautiful. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Your name, um, uh-huh. Ishmael Wadada Leo Smith. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful name. So, yeah, yeah all of it's great. History, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh-huh, sure it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like 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 Wadada comes from from come. It really is 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 Amharic name, mm-hmm. you know. But it comes from Bob Marley, which is where I first heard it. You know? Okay. Uh-huh. And it's in one of his songs that says, Wa-da-da-da, uh, Wa-da-da-da, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I forget the name of the song, but, but he, it's, 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 it's one of his um, uh, spiritual uh, uh, singing that refers to love mm-hmm. uh, in the piece. And that's what Wadada means, okay? Uh-huh. Love. Oh, how and, lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, Ishmael. Ishmael, we know, was uh, there's dispute from some people as to which son he was, but in Islam, mm-hmm. he's referred to as the first son of Abraham. Okay? Right, yeah. And Ishmael and his mother, who was an Egyptian named Hagar, they went, they were forced out of the house by Sarah because Sarah became pregnant. Mm-hmm. And eventually... Mm-hmm. Uh, they were settled in a place called Becca, which later became Mecca. Mm-hmm. And they were there without water or food, and no one was around. And there was two hills, one called yes. Mawa and one called Safa. Right. Safi. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she ran back and forth between those two large hills, praying for something to happen because they had no food or water. Mm-hmm. And... They, she heard a voice that spoke out loud that says, go back and pick up the lad, which was Ishmael, for he has understood. Mm-hmm. And she ran back and picked him up, and when she picked him up, his heel struck that rock that he was sitting on, mm-hmm. and water flowed out. Okay? Mm-hmm. That water was called Zamzam. It's called the Zamzam well. That water... Anybody that goes on pilgrim to Hajj is still washing and drinking in that water that was knocked up by Ishmael and his mother. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. yeah. And then also, is Ishmael um, the the son that um, was willing to sacrifice his life? That's what Ishmael means, sacrifice, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. And then, and then, you know, before Prophet Abraham, you know, sort of, uh, sacrifice his son, um, he got a revelation that to hold off, no, you don't have to do that, you know, just, you know, you know, sacrifice, you know, a, a lamb or a cow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a great lesson there mm-hmm. that, that, uh, uh, was being presented, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, uh fearlessness mm-hmm. and also understanding that if this is the command, that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the command had been already done because Ishmael submitted right away this could be done symbolically as opposed to being done action. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And then Hagar, you know, Hagar, you know, has a lot of resonance for for the black woman. Um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then you think about Ezali Danto, you know, mm-hmm. from the um Voodooan uh Haitian tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh s- some people say that, you know, that Ezali Danto and Hagar um you know are simpatico. Mm-hmm. 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 Ah, neat, neat. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a deep tradition. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing about Ishmael, mm-hmm. when I went to Hodge. You went to Hodge? I went to Hodge, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and wow. When, when I got ready to leave and I did my, my final tawaf. Yeah. Okay. Yes. On my way out, 
a voice inside of me said, look up at the door you're leaving through. Hmm. And I looked up at the door, and the door was called Ishmael. No. Oh, And my I God. didn't plan it. Whoa. You see? Wow, and you were, you I, were going and coming then. through your own door. Wow, that's cool. Now, I knew then that Ishmael was the right name for me. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and let me give you one other little clue what I know. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I was before I took the shahada, mm-hmm. the night before I took the shahada, I was living up in uh, Green Valley or somewhere up in the mountains, and I'd already started doing night prayer, not knowing how to pray, but I was praying anyway, mm-hmm. and also I was studying the Quran in translation. Right. The story I was reading was about Ishmael and his mother and Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so that morning I said, I'm going to go and take the Shahada. And the wife that I had then and I, we drove to L.A. to, to Omar Katab. Mm-hmm. And I go there, and the lady looks at me and she says, what is your name? I say, um, um, Ishmael. So she writes it down. Mm-hmm. They stick it on my chest. I go in. We sat down. They started doing the teaching. This was a that this was a Sunday, and they teach on Sundays there. They take scriptures and read commentaries off it. They were reading the exact section of the translation of the Quran that I was reading the night before about Ishmael. Wow. Wow, that's 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 pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, yeah. we 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 like we like you know signposts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah this right. is is this the Sir Arthur Musta King, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly it's like, right. yep, sure is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, like people say yes, and they say yes, and they say yes, like you know, more than two, you know, maybe usually three times. You know, like when you even greet people, you kiss them on both, you know, on mm-hmm. each cheek, and then the third, you do it again on the third mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. again. Yeah, wow, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. that is but really that, awesome. That, that's what that's what it come down to. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is really really cool. Wow, that's 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 really a blessing. And you know, we were talking initially about memory and remembering, um, uh, and uh, definitely. Um, it's I guess, that's right. yeah, certainly, certainly, and sometimes, you know, when we think about our our uh, cultural amnesia, because you know we were separated from our language and our culture, um, uh, you know, during the uh, during the European slave trade, and mm-hmm. you know, it's been so many years since we were there. However, I, you know, I certainly believe that there is um, uh, genetic memory. And, oh no, there is mm-hmm. epic memory. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, there is, and 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 I can tell you for a fact hmm. that on this planet, nothing is ever destroyed. Now it may change forms, or maybe painted over, or dumped over, or something like that, but mm. it's never destroyed. And the people that have successfully uh, uh, conquered mental slavery are the ones from our people who have actually uh, understood that that's just a covering; that it's not. It didn't wipe anything out, okay? Mm-hmm. And a good example of that is that France was colonized for, I believe, 700 years by the Italians. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Britain was colonized, I believe, 500 years by the French. Mm-hmm. That's where the, the Magnum Charter and all those things came from. 
Okay. Uh-huh. Now, they didn't lose their style. And the reason why it was more easy for them to overcome their mental slavery is because their society was dominated by them. Mm-hmm. You see, okay. our society is dominated by multiracial uh, collectives. So it's much harder to overcome than it is if, for example, if if, if everybody, if most people in this country was African American, mm-hmm. that that would have been resolved a long time ago in terms of um, able to 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 um, to throw off this this mental slavery that came out of slavery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. But but because because the context would be there, you see. Mm-hmm. But here the context is not there. It's 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 only illusionary over here and over there, and it's only in this community and that community. But but we know for a fact that most of us have already uh, conquered that. Mm-hmm. Wow! And and you started on that path when you were just well, you recognized that when you were just twelve, huh? Twelve, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's really great, and that's that's sort of really hopeful. Um, you know that. That there is a, there is going to be a period of time when um, when the ma'afa will be a thing of the past. That would that would be a really great great moment mm-hmm. in our in our Pan African collective mm-hmm. history. No, it, it will happen. Mm-hmm. It will happen, and it won't happen from what people give us. It'll happen from what we give ourselves and recognize ourselves about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because that's what truth is. Truth. You, you you can only find truth because the truth that you see is already the truth. But if it's just out there by itself, then it's not it's not the truth that's inside you. You see. So they don't they don't really separate. Truth is a, is a, is a phenomenon that that's, you can't break up. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so truth is an embodiment. It's an embodiment, and it's also it's an endowment. Hmm. You know, we 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 have the truth, but often we push it aside for a few other things. You know, like for example, um, uh, 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 arrogance and all the stuff that destroys the soul. I say it that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate um, your giving us this uh, this art, this music. You know, to sort of light the path. Well, thank you so much. And um, you know, I, I, what I do is I just work every day, and that's the nice part about it because I go to sleep to work, and I wake up to sleep. I wake up from sleep to work because mm-hmm. that's how beautiful it is to me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we well, definitely can tell it's beautiful because everything that you produce is beauty. So oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, it's like a great vibe, and I've been, mean, like I said, I've been really enjoying. Cause this is these are my first recordings. I've I've seen you live, but I I don't I I haven't had the uh, haven't had any of your work. So when Anne sent me these these two collections, you know, your latest mm-hmm. Hearts Reflections and the Blue Mountain Sun Drummer, I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh. And I've just been, like, just loving it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you're going to get more. <laughs> no, that's super, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You're going to get more. I guarantee you, you're on the list. Oh, super, super, yeah. And, I'm, gosh, really looking forward to, um, you know, to experiencing, you know, your 10 Freedom Summers, Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. Yeah, it's coming. It, it, it's going to be on It's be on CD. It'll be out in May. Okay. 2012, yeah. We already got the month. 
We don't have the date, the street date, but we got the month. Okay, super, yeah, and, you know, looking forward to your coming to Northern California. Hopefully yes, somebody will commission all three parts, not just one. <laughs> I would love to have that. And, you know, one of these universities up there could do that. Of course they Or they can. could do it in succession. They, mm-hmm. they could do it in three different universities. That's right. Each night. One night this university, next night there, mm-hmm. and it'd be like a traveling piece. Yeah. But within the distance so that people could either drive there or take a bus there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we got Stanford, we've got UC Davis, we've mm-hmm. got UC Berkeley, you know, we've got Merced, UC Merced. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are enough of them up here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, and I guarantee you I'm going to pursue them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be I do fun. have a, a few little friends up in those uh, towers, I would say. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the way they do things anyway. They're a circuit. <laughs> Exactly. Right, and and you're you know you're a part of that that you're the, you're an insider, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you're one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean I teach at the community college, so you know I'm also in that loop, but not mm-hmm. not quite the same level as you all. <laughs> well, it's it, it's probably the same level. You know, it's just just it, it's, it's maybe just a community college, but it's probably the same level. Mm. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge is knowledge. That's true. That is so mm. true. Right. That's 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 what I feel. Knowledge is knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. yeah, certainly. Wow. Well, again, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, and and congratulations on finishing uh, about a week ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, you know, and I hope wish you um, you know much success uh, on on thank the you. debut uh, performance uh, Friday, October twenty eighth at the. Um, the Red, Red Cat Theater and the Walt Disney Concert Hall Complex in Los Angeles. It's like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the yeah. place to be. It is. A, it's going to be the place to be, I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Wanda, definitely. so much. Thank you so much. All right. You take good care. Have a good rest of the day. I sure will, man. Peace to you. Peace and blessings. Yes. Well, that was a wonderful interview with, again, uh, Wadada Leo Smith. Uh, Ten Freedom Summers is available, and uh, it's a really beautiful um, a beautiful suite um, honoring um, civil rights veterans in the civil rights history. So, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us for our first program of 2022. Happy New Year. May all of you have... Gosh, much joy, much peace, much happiness. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, this year and, and good health, good health, definitely good health. Peace and blessings, everyone.